Welcome to Behind the Bill, podcast by the Webster Auto Collective. I'm your host, Sam Webster, and I'm excited to take you on a journey behind the scenes of the automotive world. Each episode will dive deep into the minds of automotive enthusiasts and professionals, exploring their passion, creativity, and automotive culture. We believe that behind every great build is an even better story worth sharing, and we're here to uncover those stories. From classic cars to modern machines, from racers to collectors, we'll bring you the stories that make the automotive world so exciting and diverse. Whether you're a seasoned gearhead or just love cars, we invite you to take a dive into the minds of a modern-day car enthusiast. What's up, guys? Welcome to the Behind the Build podcast presented by the Webster Auto Collective. Our guest today is Joe Reddings from Hit Hard Customs. He's a fabricator and custom car builder based out of the UK, and I'm really excited to pick his brain on everything fabrication. Thank you, Joe, for being on the podcast. And tell me a little bit about what you do at Hit Hard Customs. Um, so... I basically repair people's cars. Uh, I'm a little monkey in the corner that hammers away at metal all day. <laughs> so um, uh, it's it's one of those things you kind of, you just get lost in it. And uh, same with people who do, do with paint or engine building, um, I, I just get lost in metal work. So... Um, when it comes to it, it's if you looked at it and it wasn't something you're interested in, it wouldn't seem glamorous at all, you know. And you spend half your day eating rust, um, you know, hammering away, got the ringing in your ears when you go to bed, and uh, you know, at the end of it, you make a shape that doesn't look like anything to anyone else, but you know what it goes to. Um, so it's it's definitely a, a satisfying um, when the progress comes together, just like any other section of the the car world would be it's just my little area that i'm i'm happy with for sure and so are you doing more uh restoration work or is it custom builds or um, what's kind it's, of your bread and butter really um so basically it all kind of started off i was taking on projects that were um a bit odd as such uh, that you couldn't really just go to your, your normal garage or um, so reputable restoration place to to carry out the work. Um, or it was even, I'd get cars that would come to me that would had already been apparently restored, all the metal work done. And uh, I even had one where a customer literally pulled it out of another shop halfway through them doing the welding repairs and said, don't touch it again. So... Um, I think sometimes when, uh, especially if it's an actual paying customer, uh, instead of just a buddy that wants you to weld a patch on the car, um, you, you get a bit humbled by it. Uh, it's, you wouldn't, you wouldn't think it's just metal. That's all it is. End of the day, it's just metal. But, um, yeah, when it comes to whether it's just restoration or custom work, I do take on, uh, both. So whether it's a, even a section of someone else who's customizing the car, I'll take out the section that they can't do themselves. Um, or if it's a, a restoration job, um, usually it has to have some kind of sentimental to it um, to make it worthwhile. I think we all know uh, to, <laughs> to be involved in cars, the only way to become a millionaire is start off as a billionaire. And uh, yeah, it's, a, it's an easy <laughs> money. So you definitely have to be passionate about it when it comes to restoration. Um and there are people that can go really in depth of it. And just being a little part of that along the way is great, but also being creative on the customer side, I love it even more. Um, especially when a customer can't see the vision you have. 
um, and you explain it to them over and over again to the point where they just go, you know what, you do your bit, <laughs> I'll stay back. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and then once they start to see it come together, they just, all, you see their eyes open up. And, uh, yeah, that's, that's one of the best bits. Right. And so the, the restoration work you're doing, you're not just replacing OEM panels, you're actually creating new panels. Yeah. Yourself, yeah. Right? Well, um, this is the thing I, I spend a, a lot of the time. I don't even question going to look for an OEM panel now. Um, cause the, every, every panel you get would always need a bit of work and you kind of, um, there was a, been a few where, uh, a guy, he actually, it wasn't really um, a great deal of a car, but uh, he, he bought it to me and it was, as they all say, it's just a couple patches in the wheel arch, just need repairing. And I go, right, I'll dig into it. And then it turns out the rear quarters were so rotten, they weren't actually attached to the car apart from the bolts on the tail lights, and then also the door shut. <laughs> and that was about it. And they, you could get a replacement quarter panel for this car. Um, and it was, uh, it was 600 pounds. So I'm not sure what that works out to in dollars. Um, but yeah, 600 pounds. And I was like, no. And I looked at the quality of it and I was like, not paying 600 pounds for that. I mean, when it looks bad in the photo, you know, it's going to be terrible to work with in person. Um, so you just go ahead and just make the panel yourself or the main thing with, um, the OE, OE panels is, um, there's such a backlog um, with actual pieces getting pressed um, to the point where that has actually became another part of the job was actually making reproduction parts. Um, a couple of people caught wind of me uh, producing, um, well, making panels for certain cars that they couldn't get panels for. So initially the customer, the customer has then gone to a part supplier and said, you know, don't worry about getting, trying to find this panel where guys already made it for me. Then the suppliers then come to me <laughs> and it's gone full loop. And they say, hey, get us a figure together how much it will cost to reproduce these panels and um, we'll get the ball rolling. And then we'll just, and there's stuff like that. It's funny because it's one of the, that's the jobs I can switch off on. Because when I've made the first few, I've got a routine in my head and I can just turn them out. Um, and it's just like, I could be thinking about what I'm going to have for lunch that day and I'm not going to be worrying about <laughs> just because it's so routine. Right. And just so people know, like you don't have a big press that you're pressing these with, like you're using no, a hammer and a dolly. I would love to. And obviously it comes with all the, um, working the metal by hand. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. It's, um, old school techniques. I think you guys in America, you like your power hammers more. I follow a lot of, um, mm -hmm. guys over there and, uh, see the work they do and it's just incredible um but you know you've got easy access to the tooling luckily it's starting to come over here a bit more um but the stuff we have to find you you know it's you have to really dig deep or dive into the web or you know meet some guy in a back alley to try and make a deal on some some hammer or it's or it's you know it's the old guys the old guys are the ones that you know did it as an actual job working for a company producing these things and it just seems to have died out and someone's got to pick up the pieces along the way. Um, and if I can do that and enjoy it at the same time, I mean, that's, that's a win-win. Right. Yeah. You're, you're 
definitely not a machine operator. You're you're a craftsman. I mean, you're you're really working with your hands. And yeah, well, <laughs> yeah, to... I appreciate you saying yeah. that. Um, but yeah, yeah. yeah, it is it is hands on, and uh, you know, my other half she can stand by when I say there are days I would come home and I she'll just see me sit on the sofa and look at me like he's not getting up <laughs> because I will spend the whole day literally beating into the sandbag. Uh, it's very therapeutic, I've got to say. You know, <laughs> a day like that. If, you, if you've had a bad week, you go right. I'm going to make a whole batch of panels on this day at the end of the week. Get all the aggression out. Come the weekend, restart and go again. Um, but yeah, it's it's really physical. Um, uh, you're spending two weeks straight on English wheel. You know, your body's going to feel it all over. Um, I don't own a gym gym membership anymore. I used to a few years ago, but <laughs> there is no point now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah if you're uh beating into a sandbag all day i can only imagine yeah. how tired after making a bunch of panels yeah so what's uh is, is it mostly vintage cars that you're working on in your shop um yeah it's you know i'm i've uh i've worked hard up to this point to be able to pick what i can do um it is some vintage cars odd cars i've got a customer who just collects italian cars and i'll basically um just do a load of repairs on there and to, you know, to his collection. Um, and it's having things like that. It's, it, it, it's building up the right customers to, you know, be able to go into their collections, which makes it great. That's, that's my, my goal. Um, but with, um, focusing on the cars, it's, yeah, it's stuff that I'm interested in. I don't really do anything modern now, but I class modern as anything past 95. So, I'm only how many years? Uh, Thirty years behind. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's probably the only <laughs> thing you might add in. Um, but yeah, I think it's uh, the old. The older the stuff is, um, the more that's visible of the work. Uh, so you don't have to deal with like double skinned panels, or you know, you'll have um, uh, five sections that join together, and that's the bit where it gets a bit frustrating because if all five of those sections are rotten out, you then got to say, well, which bit do I repair first without messing up where the actual reference point is? Um, and, uh, yeah. again, some people don't think about that enough. Uh, again, it gets to more modern cars where that becomes an issue. Um, and I've had a few calls where people have said, is this something you can correct? Cause the last place has done it wrong. <laughs> and I've just got to say, not really interested to be honest. Um, I can ask around <laughs> a few places, and it's that thing you, you feel bad for it because someone's in a bad situation, but you're also like, oh. you know, it's, it's not my job. Sorry, man. <laughs> right? How did you get into this? Have you, have you been a car guy your whole life? Uh, just kind of a natural evolution into this, or well, yeah, you going to school for it? How's... So I was never. My upbringing wasn't really around cars so much. Um, you know, it was obviously, I mean, I'm enough to be the kind of guy that's inspired by Fast and Furious and seeing stuff like that. Um, mm -hmm. my, I think my brother showed me Fast and Furious 2 and I was like, wow, this is cool. This is, is this, this must be real life. Everyone's like this if they get a car. Why wouldn't you be? Um, and yeah, I saw stuff like that. And uh, then it was, uh, I remember the first time I actually, because my real passion is American cars. 
um, hot, hot rods and stuff like that. And I love my muscle cars. The whole pro touring scene now, I am just, you know, I'm all over that. Just, if I could, that could be a thing here, like, hell yeah. Um, but I remember my upbringing was actually, uh, I'd be around a lot of motorbikes. So my mum and dad were, we'd go to a lot of bike rallies, a lot of basically just people sleeping in tents, surrounded by beat up motorbikes, and then they just get absolutely plastered uh, in a tent uh, drinking. And then I'm basically there too young to be able to drink. So I've got to find my own entertainment kind of thing. Um, and, you know, we would, I'd have a couple of friends there. And I remember me and my friend walking around one time, we saw this Model A and it was the most stereotypical, you know, black with orange flames on the side of it, um, had, a, had a, a dummy bug catcher on it. And we just kind of stared at it for probably most of the weekend. It's like, wow, that's a real car. That's amazing. And uh, that was like part of the bug. And then I think it's another stereotypical thing of uh, my the first uh, muscle car I saw um, that I just fell in love with. I was skateboarding outside my house and my neighbor's, uh, must be his uh, cousin, turns up in this black must black. Uh, Mustang with two white racing stripes down it and again I'm just get off the skateboard just sat on the curb just staring at this car it's like wow <laughs> I don't want to go near it with a skateboard because obviously <laughs> I think that car will be gone in an instant uh, but yeah it's like fascinated by it and I was like there's no way like this is over here I know this is an American car and you know it just it just it's those memories that stick at you um, and uh yeah, from that point on, it's just like, I've got to try and find a way of being involved in these cars. Um, okay. And then the first car I got involved with uh, was a, a bit of a messy story with between my brother and my dad. Uh, basically, my dad bought a, a Mini Cooper off of a, a you know, classic Mini. Um, mm-hmm. uh, it was Mini Mayfair, I think. Yeah, Mini Mayfair off our neighbor because they were selling it cheap. And um, yeah, I can't remember how much it was, but it was cheap. Like, you, there's no way you could even buy a, like a scrapped one for that money today. Um, and it's somebody already put a wide body kit on it. It had the, the mag wheels on it. And uh, I was probably about 11 or so. And uh, my brother would play about with his motorbikes. Um, and then I would then just have them. I would, I'm not one to play loads of video games or anything like that. So I'd either be out on my skateboard or my bike. And uh, anyway, it turns out my brother then bought this off my dad uh, as one of going to be his, one of his first cars. And um, then I, he asked me to then just do some of the repairs on it. So by repairs, he means like change out the, they have ripped interior on it. So he's like, oh, I've got these seats from a scrapyard. Can you change those over? Um, and then there was also, uh, like just paint the interior. And I didn't think much of it as well. Being young and naive, I'm, I'm it's, it's chucking it down with rain outside. I'm inside this mini and obviously small car, very enclosed space. And here's me with just some hammerite paint or <laughs> some very fumy paint. <laughs> and I get out, I'm like, I feel really lightheaded. <laughs> so they'd be told I'm an idiot for it. Uh, and then do the same again the next day because I have to do the other side. Um, so it's stuff like that. That's kind of how I started getting in, like enjoying the cars, but getting involved in it um, 
basically I went through college to do uh, mechanics and stuff like that um, uh, to a point where I was actually, I was really behind academically at school. So they would, uh, the school set up this program where it's um, two days a week or it's one day a week, uh, you go to go to college. Um, so I think it's different how you say over there. So we basically have primary school, secondary school, and then college. So, and then university. And I think that's what you class as college over there. Um, but yeah, so yep. basically went to college um, for these uh, years. It's basically an entry level because they, they, my predicted grades is I'm not going to get there. Um, so they basically get me in there um, uh, by this entry level course. And um, I started tinkering about the cars. I did a little bit of a, an engine, engineering course on the side because that's what I originally wanted to do. Um, but yeah, I tinkered about with these cars. And I didn't really show a great deal of interest at the start until we started getting more in depth. And they do the normal uh, changing the brakes and stuff like that. I was like, no, it's, no, it's not really that interesting. And then I actually got a, um, ended up with a, a college teacher who would tell me about how people modify cars. And I was like, back to my fast and furious times. I'm like, okay, now we're talking. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Then I started to get more of an interest in it. And it it definitely showed in my my college grades um, when we're doing our tests and exams and stuff like that. Um, So going through that, also following my brother's footsteps, we had to do a um, work experience. So, for, for college and we had to basically find a garage that would take us on. Anyway, my brother had become friendly with uh, a guy who built rally cars um, a few miles away from us, uh, where we are. Um, and again, I'm, you know, 16, uh, can't drive to, well, not even that, yeah, I'm 15, I think. So, yeah, no, no, six, you know, I'm, I'm 16. Um, and my brother was working that was basically doing a bit of side work, um, basically working in this garage, doing odd jobs to save up money for his bikes. Anyway, he done his bit, got a prop, um, uh, full-time job, uh, working elsewhere. And I basically said to the guy, look, I've got to do work experience. Is there any chance I could come and, you know, do a bit of work for you? You know, you don't have to pay me. It's fine. You know, it's just work experience. It's a foot in the door. And, uh, and stuff like that really goes a long way. And I could tell afterwards um, because uh, this, I think this place is about eight miles away from me. Um, there's no bus route. <laughs> and, uh, it's, I live in the countryside, so it's very hilly. Uh, it's all single track roads. And this is when I'm really, like uh, a lot of my growing up was, I was just, my BMX was my life. Um, other than having to go to school, college, my BMX, that is all I lived for. So that's all I basically had. So BMX, single gear, can't really sit down on it, no brakes. And I've got to do eight miles there, <laughs> basically, then do the work experience, whether it's raining, whether it's sunshine, or, you know, if it says ice and rain, I've got to go there and then I've got to come back. So I think that's basically gets a bit of work ethic in you there, um, because I I lost so much weight. I <laughs> I could not eat enough for like how much effort that was. Um, 
so yeah, I would cycle that uh, every day throughout work experience. And then I would get the, um, our college days would then cut down. So I'd still, still end up going to this place. Um, and then the guy ended up paying me like a, a few bits. And I thought I was the richest guy going. Because, uh, you know, I do, I think I was doing five, yeah, five days a week. Obviously, that's then it's probably an eight hour day. And I've already, you know, I do the eight mile cycle there and the eight mile cycle back. And uh, he, he didn't have to pay me, but uh, obviously, he paid me 40 quid for the week. And I was like, yeah, now we're making money. <laughs> so, yeah, only 40 pounds. Uh, See? Yeah, that's like a. <laughs> so, you were riding your bike. 80, 80 miles a week your bmx bike 80 miles a week is that right that's the calculation yeah <laughs> yeah jeez dude you're serious yeah. about that but the thing no, is no that's I, not right it was it no. was natural, uh because i would spend my whole time at the skate park anyway uh if i wasn't if i wasn't work experience if i wasn't at school i'll be at the yeah. skate park um so yeah that's right. uh, that's what it comes down to yeah um, <laughs> yeah it's I look back at that and I'm like, I've, I've got it easy now. <laughs> I got can drive. <laughs> right. Yeah. Wow. Um, so that's, yeah. so what? Carol? So you went, you started working in the shop, kind yeah. of building the skills just for school, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's it, yeah. Just, just, just. What? Did, you, did you have a car that you were mod? It, it yeah. didn't even line up with anything to do with the college course, really. Um, because with the mechanics course, you basically got to do, you know, do a service, do a, a pre-MOT check. You've got to do um, brakes, a clutch, whereas this is basically strip, strip out the interior, you know, strip out the uh, all, all the glass, um, get ready to put a roll cage in there, uh, and, and, you know, uh, yeah, corner balancing and stuff. That did not tick off a single thing list that i'd have to do through college um and i loved it i just loved every bit of it um and then it got to the point i finished a college course and i had to get a real job well a better job um so i ended up going from there working for a, a kind of service center of a, a family friend and um he also uh worked as a, a, a racing instructor at um, the, uh, the local track and also done um, testing experiences. Again, it's just kind of pure coincidence how it goes from the next step to the next step. And uh, he would, other people would bring their track cars to him. So again, it would be how to upgrade the suspension and stuff like that. And then you end up realizing you're opening more doors, you make more connections. So end up uh, speaking to people in suspension companies and, you know, and uh, um, just engine, engine companies or even people at the track, how they get into it or how, you know, you can go for the next steps. And I was like, oh, I want to be a race mechanic. And I was, and the guy was like, why, <laughs> why, <laughs> why would you want to be a race? You know, I want to, you know, he goes, you're, you're the only one piece of the cog. And I was like, yeah, true. And I just, then it kind of fizzled out. Um, and then there was this hot rod shop um, not far 
from yeah, not far from basically a couple towns over. And uh, I'd be like riding my bike, and every time I'd go past this place, I'm like, oh wow, they've got they've got some old cars in there. It's like oh, they've got like, an old mini in there. That's cool. Um, and then I see they've got hot rods outside. I'm like, this place is hot. Oh my god, like. I got I got to speak to people in here, um, and then I would uh, dip my head in. I kind of poked in. I was like, "How do I work here?" Kind of thing. And they said, "Drop in a CV," and I'd speak to the boss, and uh, he he basically said, "You haven't got enough experience in this and this, so you know you'd have to come back a you know you know maybe maybe next year, and then we'll go from there." So then I, I get a bit more experience in this and, and this. And go, well, you haven't got any welding experience, so we can't really take you on. I was like, all right, okay. So I get a bit of you know a bit of welding experience other than what I'd done on the, on the rally cars. Um, and then it was uh, basically a go in again. It's like, well, we haven't really got any space at the moment. <laughs> and I think it got to like the fifth time I went in there. And I don't know whether he'd just given up or turning me away. Or, you know, I was persistent or I basically built up some cockiness behind me, um, but it got my foot in the door and I basically tried out and, you know, they got me on the strip, strip down engines and, um, uh, yeah, sorting out parts and stuff like that and uh, making tea, uh, coffee. So, yeah, tea, very British, obviously. Um, but it turns out I'm terrible at making tea. <laughs> so... Yeah, that wasn't really <laughs> my field there, um, and ended up uh, leaving there. And uh, one of the old a guy from my hometown that I'd always heard about, um, he was a few years older than me. He uh, basically put up a he left where I was working. I'd never actually met him there, and um, someone had sent me a post saying he's looking for someone. Anyway, while I was at this other place, every evening I'd stay behind. I'm like, I want to learn how to use the English wheel. I want to learn how to use the bead roll. I want to learn how to just use guillotine or, you know, a shrinker stretcher and stuff like that. Just the tools that I won't really, I don't really have laying around in, in my shed. And um, kind of said to uh, this guy, I, I, I rocked up there and uh, he, he goes, um, oh, nice to meet you. And I was like, he goes, you're Elliot's brother. And I was like, shall I leave then? <laughs> so he basically, he knew my brother. Um, and it, it, it's kind of that small circle. And anyway, straight away, just chatting away, having a laugh. Um, and he says, what kind of um, skills have you got? And I uh, basically said, situation. And uh, said, um, well, you know, I've used English word and stuff like that. Um, but, you know, just show me what you want. I'm happy to learn on the job. And uh, again, that, that first week I, I stayed late. I, you know, just put in more effort than was needed, I reckon, <laughs> when I look back at it. Um, and yeah, he just took a like it to me. And I'm, you know, I went from uh, that interview. He then said, would you like to start tomorrow? And it just so happens at the same time, I'd been offered to build, uh, help build with someone's Mustang. So they bought this convertible Mustang, uh, doing a, a coyote swap on it. Um, and they felt like they were a bit out of their depth. And uh, I basically said, um, well, I can't do, you know, I've got to speak to this guy and, um, you know, see what's happening there, and I'll let you know. So the, the day after the next, I basically came in. I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll um, you know, if you're all right for me, I'll, I'll work here, and uh, I'll do, if it's okay, I'll do um, four days a week. 
And he's like, yeah, that's fine. You know, pretty flexible hours. And he was, you know, that opportunity to have my own side project from the get-go while working for someone else. Um, yeah, I think if that wasn't the case, it would have been a lot harder to get to where I am now. And I'm still, I'm still really good friends with him now. Um, actually, ended up moving just around the corner from him, uh, so I could go get it if you want. But uh, <laughs> yeah, he, uh, he he's tried a lot to to for taking me on, um, and then just the opportunities surrounding that, that get me to to this point. Um, but yeah, when I um, was doing the Mustang, the Mustang had come to an end, and I still had other people asking me to do do jobs for them. So I was like, I need I need a place. Need a place to do this. Um, anyway, uh, on the the farm, there was a uh, basically this old grain unit. It was just used for storing a few bits. Um, I think if it had candles in there, it would have been brighter uh, to work in. But it was just so, and there, it was <laughs> probably about an inch thick of just like grain and dust on the floor it had a, a wooden tunnel that went along the wall um it was basically it's all botched together with lots of like must have been spare materials for the old army camp that was near us um but yeah it's a it was just not even a unit as such it's a lean-to and uh I, I looked at it and i was like I just had a vision i was like this will do perfectly Next, uh, that week, come in, smashing out all the tunnel, got rid of all the dead rats, <laughs> uh, stripped out all the weeds that were growing inwards, you know, swept up all, all the crap on the floor. Um, and yeah, I then run all the electrics. So yeah, again, just built it from the, apart from the actual structure itself, then everything inside, uh, then all the wiring. And basically I just knew I had the only, I've not got to have loads of money to chuck at this. So I've got a, I got to put the effort in. I think um, that kind of attitude to putting hard work in, if you haven't got the money to put in, I think that's uh, that, that stuck for me. Um, when, when you get a bit of money, it makes it a lot easier um, to just chuck money yeah, and solve absolutely. the problem. But if you can't find if you can't find the solution with money, you got to put the, the effort in and, and solve it that way. Uh, but yeah, still, I'm still in that in that unit. And so was that? Was that? Oh, same spot. Yep, still in the same spot. That's uh, your first shop, and that's where you are now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, oh no way! Okay. Yeah, yeah, and it's 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 doing me great. You get cold in there. I'll say that. Um, look, you know, <laughs> people that know me, they'll they'll probably say <laughs> like, they're amazed that I, I don't get frostbite. There's been a couple of times where things have been frozen to the side. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's a it's it's great great place to be. Uh, it's nice and out of the way. Um, I can make as much noise as I want to as late as I want. Um, and to know, to look back at where I built it up from literally that whole wreck. And I actually stood back earlier on today cause I've just made some more tools and I'm like, Oh, this is, this is brilliant. Um, look, I step back a bit. And I'm like, yeah, it's all, it's all coming together. It's all coming together. <laughs> it's coming together. Yeah. <laughs> so how long was it between getting that? The job at that shop, it took you five tries to get a job at oh, to getting into that shop, the yeah, first shop it must have been for about, yourself. About two years, maybe. Two years, okay. Uh, maybe uh, probably about a year and a half, year and a half. And I did, and it it was, 
I'd gone through a few other jobs in that process as well, um, working at secondhand car dealerships, um, which was the worst experience of I've ever had. That is, <laughs> yeah, never want to do anything like that again. <laughs> um, but yeah, I can imagine that. It sounds terrible. It's paid off there, and um, I still stay in contact with them as well. And uh, yeah, I think that's a nice thing. Nice. I don't feel like I've burnt any bridges for any place I've left, but it's um, yes, yeah, it's, it's nice to okay. stay in contact with these places I work at. Did you have a, a pretty steady stream of customers from the beginning, or did you take a while to build up to the point where you could just do um, that? Yeah, it took a while to build. It wasn't a matter of trying to get loads of customers um, because it was more about like the, I learned so much from that first side project, the Mustang, is that that one customer, again, when I look back to working at a dealership, is a dealership, you've got to churn out, you've got to do about, you know, five cars a day minimum, no matter what the job is. You know, they need to see the cars passing through. Um, and when it comes to a car that you're going to be spending, you know, you, it's not a matter of it's turning out five a day. It's it's turning out one maybe in a year. And you're like, <laughs> you know, because you're going so in-depth. You're like, I've got to deal with just the one car, the same person, but then I've just got to figure out lots of problems and solve them with this one car. I don't have to learn the customer. I don't have to you know, keep the figures going through. It's just that same, you know, it, and then it becomes the, instead of, uh, it's that, um, what's it called? Uh, quality over quantity. So, so that's a, it's a better quality job instead of having to just say, just churn them out, put loads of patches on cars, get them out of the way. Uh, and then I think that's the way you can build up, uh, your attention to detail by, being given the opportunity to put the attention into the details and um yeah that's right. uh, that's the thing is um yeah just building up the right customers um because over over the kind of time period i can't i think things have got better when i've actually had less customers because i think less the idea is less customers but more projects. So that's why I like the uh, car collections and stuff like that, because uh, half the job is learning the customer, how they like to go about doing the work, how the, how you build up your kind of relationship with them. Um, so once you've got that bit out of the way, it's then just to your job and you just focus on that. You don't have to worry about what the customer's thinking. And um, once you build up that relationship, it just, it takes just a huge weight off your shoulders. Um, but yeah, that's basically it. <laughs> How long is it? Yeah, well, that's great. I mean, that's the way to do it. If you can get good customers that have a consistent stream of projects for you to work on, yeah. you already know them. That that sounds that sounds a great way to do it. I mean, so you said the project in a year. What what is what kind of project would you would you be doing that would take a year to complete? Is that oh, a full well, restorations and a complete custom yeah, well, car. When I look at it now, is um things you know things can take longer than that now easily um when it yeah. comes to like a, a full shell rebuild um you know people would just think it's cut the panels off stick them back on send it out the door um but you know when it does come to again like you said earlier working with an oem panel it doesn't fit and you've got to make that panel to in 
to a better quality, sometimes you can be like, right, I'm going to be spending a week to make this panel. And then, you know, if that goes wrong, then you got you got to keep going at it. But um, yeah, it's doing all the little finicky bits, making sure the joins match up. You know, it sounds, <laughs> when you when you think about, if you have to just think about the job in itself, it'll be so mind-numbing. There has to be a bit of insanity behind doing any of this job because, uh, yeah, when it, when it comes to it, it's, it, it's that kind of dragging out of um, each little job has to be done well. Um, so, yeah, that's why it can take so long is because it's so in-depth um, with each one. So you're starting with just a piece of sheet metal, a flat sheet, and turning that yeah, into yeah. the various um, parts. So it's not like to full-scale coach building. Um, you know, it's, uh, I'd, lo I'd love to be able to get to the point where someone just basically goes, gives me a concept and goes, right, I, I, this is the car I want. It doesn't exist. Can you make it? And I'll be like, well, we'll give it a go. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, that's the kind of thing. Uh, so do you use wooden bucks? Yeah, yeah. So I, I, I uh, make the wooden yep. bucks uh, as a kind of sit on. Um, I had to do that a lot with the reduction mm -hmm. panel, which is always a go-to because then you know they're all consistent and they all match. Um, but yeah, uh, wooden bucks for certain, um, certain panels. Sometimes it's just an overlay. Sometimes it's just a template. Or sometimes it's actually creating a form that I can, uh, I can pass through my uh, power hammer or even just to put references on and, and beat with a, a wooden mallet. Um, so it's all these little tricks that you end up picking up along the way. Um, and it's just whichever way is more, when it comes to the business side of things, it's whichever way is the most efficient um, or within that uh, the price point to do that job. Um, but a lot of the time, it's just basically do it to the best level you can and then that it costs what it costs kind of thing, which is a much nicer way of doing things. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no kidding. I mean, you're, you're one of probably a handful of people around that are still using these old methods of creating these panels. I mean, you're, yeah, you're going like, back um, to guy custom carbos like Gene, Gene Winfield and oh, yeah, yeah. all those dudes, like to meet hardcore him. hot rodders that. Yeah. Yeah. Really? Uh, no way. Yeah, yeah. So he actually came over to a show over here called the Hot Rod Super Nationals. Um, he was working with uh, okay. a, a couple of friends and uh, the place I used to work at. Um, and they were doing a, a typical Winfield chop. Um, but yeah, got to got to meet him briefly. Um, and I think that's the thing with this with this car game. Uh, I'm sure you must have come across a few people. The people you meet along the way is really what makes it. Um, uh, another another. Another guy, which I managed to, was fortunate to bump into, and I mean bump into, um, we went up to this place called Ace Caf, um, and uh, we, uh, this is quite funny, so there, was a, there was a car outside, it was a, um, a replica of a Ken Block's car, it was the, it was a Cosworth, okay. um, and basically me and, my, me and my friend walked up to it, and I was like, yeah, that's a, that's a pretty good replica of that. They've done a nice job of that. I was like, God, oh, look at all the detail they've gone into. And this guy then walks out of the bar and says, oh, Ken Block's inside if you if you want to go uh, get a picture of him. Me and him are like, good one, mate. You're hilarious. You're funny. <laughs> anyway, we kind of say, like, kind of sits into us like, well, let's go have a look. You know, there's no, there's no harm in having a look. 
and we poke our head, look, look at the look at the bar in the cafe, like completely empty, no one there. So we're like, oh well, we might as well get a drink. And then we step through the door, and there he is. He's right there. <laughs> so they're like, let's get up. <laughs> and we're like, that's the queue going in one door and out the other. <laughs> so like, right, we'll get a drink. We'll wait for the queue to go down. And we did, we did get a picture with him. But that's like one of those those stories. Are like, how mad's that? There's no reason for him to be over here, really. And we just kind of walk into a little a little car meet at a, a well-known cafe, and there he is. <laughs> so, like, yeah, and, uh, yeah. Well, unfortunately, when it comes to news, and there's, um, yeah, we were very lucky to meet him. Um, oh man, how cool uh, is that? Yeah, yeah, and um, that's a uh, he. He actually he lived about 25 minutes from me. Really? So whereabouts? Yeah, yeah. So we live. I live in Salt Lake City, Utah. Oh right. So yeah. where he lived, where he lived was Park City. Oh Utah. right, yeah. And so it's just a drive up the canyon, about twenty five minutes, and that's where he lived. Yeah. And uh, actually, this is his car behind me. Oh yeah, right, yeah, that's, yeah. The, that's the. That's the. It's it's a the Huna Pegasus. That's it. Yeah. Yeah, it's the the time attack car. Yeah, that's it. The, perp, the pink one. Yeah, yep. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I never I never got to meet him, but. Uh, what a what an amazing person that dude yeah, is. Yeah, yeah. I think I think everyone can agree with that. Um, even right. if you're not into Jim Carner, is what he's done. Uh, even again, way back to his uh, his skateboarding days of the of DC shoes. Yep. That's quite an impact there. Mm-hmm. Um, right. But yeah, yeah. Like I say, it's, it's the people we meet, um, and we actually done a trip out to California a few years ago, um, and went around a few of the shops there. And that was one of the things that really cool. opened my eyes to the level of work people are doing. It was, yeah, in Huntington Beach. And just went around a lot of hot rod shops there. Mm-hmm. They couldn't be more welcoming. Um, and again, we went up to one place, uh, California Speed and Custom, and uh, saw Mark there. And we just missed his shop tour time. Uh, he probably, probably won't like to say it in this, but uh, uh, we missed the shop tour time. And... Um, so we just done the, obviously done the tour and we basically poked our head in and uh, said, um, oh, just, you know, we don't need to intrude, but is there any chance to get a look around? It's like, oh, you've just missed, you've just missed the tour. Anyway, we introduced ourselves going, you guys are from the UK? Come on in. <laughs> so then we just get a look around. <laughs> and that was basically, it's, um, yeah, uh, so welcoming, like all these places, hospitality was great. Um you know, even some people saying, oh, yeah, just, you know, come work here for a bit. Might as well. And I was like, oh, that is tempting then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. The California car culture is a pretty cool thing. Oh, yeah. There's so yeah. many talented builders out there. Oh, yeah, that's it. All, that's always watching it. And every time you just see something amazing come out, you kind of look where it is. It's like, oh, right, yeah, okay, yeah. And then, then there's so many there that just don't get the attention uh, the publicity that they should, but simply for the reason that they don't want it. They, uh, they'll just do this like incredible yeah. work, the attention to detail. And you just like, they're just like, yeah, we can love it and leave it kind of thing. Um, but yeah, it's, right. it's just, that's one of the things, seeing the cars and bare metal around there, the amount of, again, seeing the tooling they had. And I was a bit like, I need to get some of this tool and I need to step up my game. This is, <laughs> Uh, yeah, so a little bit of inspiration from there, kind of took home with me. But yeah, right. Well, I 
So I asked, I had and, um, put up a poll on my Instagram page that you saw, just yeah. like asking questions. Oh yeah. And one of the questions, one of the questions was, if you could only have one tool, what would it be? Oh, that's a, that's a good question. Huh? Um, as in, like, I'd say tool and machinery a bit different. Could pass on that. All right. Right, sure. so uh, pick either either one. If if, if you if you could only use one one thing in your shop to okay. create, what, so what would you choose? As far, as far as metal shaping is, um, yep. surprising enough, it would be a tree stump. The amount of stuff you can just make on a tree stump. I have a little tree stump, and it's got a little pocket in it. Yeah, so I can do. Well, because you've got a flat surface and it's got all these odd shapes, you can make so many panels on it. Um, to make it smooth, all you need to do is just, it's just it'll take a lot longer. Um, but, you know, when it comes to, you know, shaping the metal, that's all, all it takes is just keep hammering at it and it eventually it'll get to the shape you need okay. it to be. Um, but yeah, I've, 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 I've had times where I've gone, yeah, I've, I've actually uh, made, made a middle so, of my, my mate's... Um, uh, BMW E30, and uh, I couldn't obviously take my big machinery, so I turned up to his place with a tree stump and a, and a hammer, and uh, he, he comes, what, what, what are you doing? I was like, I'm, I'm going to make your wheel up. <laughs> with that kind of look of us like, you're nuts. <laughs> you're not right. <laughs> and did it work? Yeah, 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 he's, yeah all good. <laughs> Again, just a bit more hammering. <laughs> Uh, still, you know, so how- in um, some of the uh, a lot of the coach builders and stuff like that, but I wouldn't play myself as a coach builder. But there's a lot of coach building shops; they will churn out so much stuff with just a good tree stump um, because it's just enough. All you have to do is move the metal. So, what kind of hammer would you use um, to do that? It's called a, a bossing mallet. So it's like a, okay. a dome shape. But what I actually use. Is, is a baseball bat where I've cut the handle off and then stuck it so it's a T-shape so you get a longer reach there. So I've got a baseball bat and a tree stump okay. and you can do a lot with that. So if anyone wants to practice any any metal shaping or like just having a go, don't say you can't do it because you haven't got the tools. Literally, find you just find a plank of wood, do a little dimple in it and a baseball bat or just any hammer and it will start moving. Just pick up some scrap metal and you will you'll start to see it all come together. So if anyone wants to take, wants so to take that, for, I mean, <laughs> so worked. I'm one of those people that I I've never done any any sheet metal work, but yeah. I've always wanted to. Yeah, would that be a good place to start? Oh yeah, because that's that's what it comes down to is um it's all all it comes down to is um you're either shrinking or stretching the metal. Or you're, you know, you're you're cutting it and, and forming it. It's like those um, four steps. Uh, Mike from Cornfield Customs, he he says it. If you ever listen to any of his podcasts or any of like, his videos, he will he will simplify everything about it. Um, these big tools, they just make it quicker and more efficient and finesse it a bit more. Um, so uh, I had to make some floors for Lancia, and I actually. Uh, with those, because they're pretty flat, instead of a bead roller, all I had was a, a, a small strip of uh, wood 
and a chisel and then you just chase it round until you get the high spots, flip it over, and then you can chase it round again. You basically made your step edge while stretching it, uh, stretching it. That's the same process, but pretty much as what a pull max does. So it's just understanding which way it goes, which way you're fighting it. Don't overthink it. <laughs> there will be right. still like so where you're constantly fighting it, like in your head, but then you're just like, which way is it going? And that's all. That's usually the biggest so question. <laughs> so if you could, for the people that are listening, could you explain how you shrink metal and how you stretch metal? Yeah. With actual so, techniques um, behind it? With uh, the uh, the best tool to learn on for that would be obviously a shrinker stretcher. And what that does, it has these two jaws, the best way to do it like that, um, that kind of oppose each other. And to shrink, what they do is they pinch the metal and they'll have these tapers on the inside to then push them together. And what they're doing is basically when it pushes the, um, the material together, it makes it that overall um, kind of surface area shorter, but it's making the material thicker. So um, it's then the reverse for stretching because you press down and then it makes it, uh, makes it thinner, but longer. Uh, same as like Play-Doh. <laughs> Or whatever, you know, <laughs> working with clay. It is the same, you know, you've, you've got the same amount of material there. Whichever way you're going, you can make it thicker, longer. You can just change the shape of it. And that is what it comes down to is basically the actual material is moving it into a position where it is either thicker or thinner. So you can think of it a lot of like pluses and minuses. Um, so and what an English wheel does or a power hammer does is because that hits it, it makes it thinner. It then disperses the metal kind of outwards. So that's when it, when uh, you're stretching it, you can end up making a crown because the material can only raise up and then, you know, kind of move outwards. So that's all it's doing is uh, stretching in that way. And then another way is also on a tree stump. You can build on that too with a thing called puckers, but that's much more difficult to explain. <laughs> 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 so what, what is, what's a circumstance where you, where you would stretch them or shrink the metal? I understand stretching it. If you're making a radius or something like that, yeah, yeah, or an English wheel. Perfect example, um, which you'll always do, um, is usually like a, a boot edge, uh, yeah, a trunk edge, as you call it. So you end up seeing that mm -hmm. step down. And if you had a 90 degree piece, you could have, you obviously imagine that's the profile that you'd have a long strip. Uh, strip of that it's just basically a, a, an angle piece if you shrunk that inner edge that whole piece would start to curve around because the inside edge is shorter than the outside edge so it then starts to bring okay. the inside you know it starts to bring that backside around because right. the inside's getting shorter um, so that's how you can kind of uh, make window frames and that's the easiest way to see it um but another way is uh, if you were making a dome shape is you could stretch the inside, but then if you wanted to bring the outside around more, because it's a curved piece, if it's curved, you can then shrink that outer edge and then it brings it down more because it's basically wanting to make that outside radius smaller. So it brings it all in that way. Um, and then you end up, 
that's how you can make those dishes. So you can do a bit of stretching, a bit of shrinking, and you can really just start going crazy with it. Um, and there are some people, some craftsmen out there that can do just insane stuff with their tooling. Um, uh, and there's a British guy, um, Toby South, and he's stopped the cars now. He's doing like sculptures and the stuff he's doing is, you know, it, how he thinks of it, don't know. <laughs> how he creates it, that's like a whole other level. <laughs> but yeah, that's a, when it comes down to it, it's all that plus and minus. It's amazing to watch. I mean, I've watched some, especially, I mean, it's a hot router thing, mostly that I'm seeing it is. Yeah, yeah. Building these custom cars and these, these panels of the really complex contours yeah. it just seems absolutely impossible for someone that doesn't have the knowledge that you could take a flat sheet of metal and completely recreate a total a rusted out panel and have to look exactly the same i mean how yeah. do you go from there's one photo on your instagram of like a, a headlight shroud like just below the headlight going down yeah. into the bumper that you recreated how do you even start to go from that rusted out piece that needs to be replaced and turn that flat sheet of metal into something that replaces that perfectly. Well, I'll, I'll give away all the secrets. It's, <laughs> I'm not fussed by that. Uh, <laughs> I just use two inch masking tape. Um, uh, the better stuff to use is, I think it's a fiberglass tape. And you basically, if you basically just either make a paper template or you can um, put masking tape on it. And then when you, you can peel that off and it will maintain the shape of the panel. So then to figure out where you need to shrink and stretch, put it on the flat sheet and you'll, you can basically cut the edges, where it, cut where it needs to be to make it lay flat. And if you've got gaps, that's where you need to shrink. And if you've got overlaps, that's where you need to stretch. Wow, you made that <laughs> extremely simple. Yeah. I mean, it's more complicated than that, but I, I couldn't, I was looking at that and trying to wrap my head around mm. how you would even begin to recreate the shape. Yeah. Well, and, so it's just massive. Now, now, so it's much quicker on that. <laughs> that again, that was yeah, a lot of nice. stuff on the tree stump and sandbag. Um, but yeah, yeah, customers happy with that. <laughs> no, that's amazing. So a piece like that, how much would you charge to, to make a new one? Uh, once you've made the first one, uh, I, can't, I honestly can't remember how much it cost, um, but it's, I think it was about three days work. <laughs> or so. Three days. Okay. Yeah. Um, okay. And, An expensive piece. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, once it's, once you made the first one, the second one much quicker. Um, that's always okay. what you can hope anyway. Uh, but yeah, that was a lot of just on the sandbag on a tree stump. Um, and I could only get into so much of that area with the English wheel to smooth it out. Uh, but yeah, that one's got, um, it's got compound curves, reverse curves on it as well. So all in one piece and as well as returned edges. Um, and then also got the actual bezel in there. That's what all kind of makes it a bit trickier. Um, okay. probably, probably would have been easier to make it out of multiple pieces. Um, but I didn't, <laughs> yeah, I didn't, didn't really, uh, do a, a, 
uh, well planned think through on that but uh, it worked in the end and I was actually happier making it out of one piece than it was multiple pieces um, yeah. yeah the end result was I was, I was chuffed with the end result yeah, that's amazing yeah we've got another question uh, best learning experience Joe has had good and bad one of each um, oh god best learning experience uh, learning from the bad is what if is when working with a customer if you've got a bad feeling about that customer believe it because you know it's I now say to customers um, even if I'm quoting towards them and they're not sure about it I even say to them it's like if you're not comfortable with me find someone you are comfortable with um because I'm not going to fight for it. There's enough work for all of us. and um, But you've got to, you know, it has to feel right. Um, because there's some projects I've worked on that last longer than some people's marriages. So, you know, if, <laughs> if, I've, you... if I've got to deal with a customer um, for a long period of time, I, I want to be able to be happy working with them. Uh, otherwise, I might as well, you know, be married to them. Kind of thing, and uh, sure. <laughs> you want to be married to someone you can be happy, happy around. Um, have, yeah. have you ever had any like disastrous things happen with customers? Like, uh, blow ups, or I don't know, nothing that hasn't hasn't really been uh, kind of solvable. There's always the case of you take on a sure. project, and um, yeah, you you it'll be a, a small job. As always, even for past places I worked in, um, it would come in as a small job. And then when it comes down to digging into it, you're like, how, how is this car not just, how is the front end just not stayed there and the back end gone that way? You know, it's uh, fascinating how some cars keep going when there's so much rot in them. Um, but yeah, stuff like that uh, right. is, um, you know, that's, as far as work goes, uh, that's probably uh, as disastrous as it gets. But you know, a lot of places with panic and um, but end of the day, it's just it, you got to think it's more one step at a time. It's extra work, um, and if the customer's not happy to go go ahead with it, then then that's fine. Um, it, nothing. I just don't think take anything too personally when it comes to stuff like that because uh, business is business. Um, gotcha. and yeah, it's, it's, it's a tough one. Uh, you know, it d doesn't go without guilt. I'll say that's the one thing they tell you about when you're running a business, the guilt that comes with it. Um, because you've got to say to someone, okay, I know you only expected this, but a whole can of worms has opened up here. Um, and you know, that's the point I say to them, go, I understand if you don't want to carry on, um, don't make a rash decision now, think about it for a little while. Uh, for a couple of weeks maybe and then we can go from there um just so nothing's um no, no rash decisions were made it's just level-headed thinking and that will just get you so much further than trying to just panic and rush and get everything done instantly um but yeah just try and keep a level head when it comes to stuff like that uh because there's a solution to everything you just got to figure out the right way to do it yep. Yeah, you're playing the long game with your projects. These aren't 
quick turnarounds. So yeah, yeah, unfortunately. It's a good way to approach I'm it. I'm happy with that, how long it takes, but <laughs> once they have it's made progress. Yeah. Um, right. Yeah. Uh, it's, you know, when it comes to it, it's, yeah, like I say, quality and quantity um, and just doing it right. Uh, you know, I'll sometimes look at the stuff I've done in the past and if I could go over it again, there's so many things I would change. Um, but I guess that's the whole process of, you know, the learning experience. Um, but yeah, it's, it's okay. definitely all a long game. Um, you know, it's hard to tell yeah. customers so that sometimes when they say, yeah, I want, you know, they come to me, start spring, go, yeah, I want it, a full restoration, respray, engine rebuild and new interior by the end of summer. And you go, what summer? Because <laughs> it ain't going to be this one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. What, what about a, a good learning experience? What was the best? Maybe like learning environments that you ended up in where you, you got the most out of it. Uh, um, probably, yeah, probably my, the, my previous workplace, um, because it gave me so many opportunities to learn from and obviously get to where I am now. And also, you know, that, that place is still going very strong and they're, you know, doing some cool. great projects and, you know, watching them still build up you know, further and further, uh, that's kind of one of the things you like, it, it motivates you, but given the opportunity working there to, uh, start, started off when it was kind of early days to learn on the job. And, um, mm -hmm. I took full advantage of every moment to learn on the job. Um, you know, Eve, there'll be times I'll be, you know, overtime and stuff like that just to basically, so I could keep learning. Uh, knowing full well for some of it I wouldn't get paid for or there'd be times I'd be like I you know I learned I spent that time that day learning that thing and I'd say to the boss yeah look I, I'm going to suck back some hours because that was my own personal education there um, and that, I think that's a tough thing now is um, everyone's very uh, money motivated they um, in the aspect of if they're not making money for it they're not going to do it um, if it's in a, in a workplace, they always come to this attitude of, oh, that's, you know, that's above my pay rate or something like that, or no point doing that because I'm not going to get paid for it. But again, it's a long game. You know, you could learn a skill that you know you're not going to use on any projects um, for, you know, or any projects that you have planned, but you could have learned something from that small bit that you will then use for a project later on in some way so that's it i think that's okay. something that i'll always dig me is just don't stop learning um because no, no one knows everything uh i by no means say I, i'm an expert in anything uh i used to think i was a bit i used to think i knew everything when i used to ride bmx now I look back at the videos i'm like yeah loser um but yeah no there's always always a way to uh, learn more um but yeah that's i think if any my own learning experience i could pass on in just you know keep learning um because it just kind of, it, it gets to a point where it ends up um, being second nature um and you know never know like saying find themselves in a in the same situation as I am right now talking to you, if they keep that progress going. Right. Yeah, exactly. All right, we got another question from Gemma Dunford. I'm feeling you know Gemma. 
from some yeah. of the questions <laughs> that first. She, she, that's my fiance. <laughs> <laughs> that's your fiance. Okay, yeah. perfect. So, uh, what what inspired you to to start a business? Like, why did you jump from the shop life working for someone else to starting your own thing? Um, why did you take that leap of faith? It all comes back. Yeah, uh, George already knows this. Actually, I probably haven't told her that. She's actually just gone to bed, so I'm not going to know. Yeah, the thing that come, uh, yeah, to do my own thing. Uh, yeah, was, I even actually said this when I left my art, my last place. Even though I still had things on the side, is I I just had this kind of hunger for it. Um, you know, it's, it's that itch that you just you just want to do. Um, you got you just got a scratchy kind of thing. Um, but yeah, it, the inspiration was to make my own mark, do things how I want to do them, whether it it works or it fails, um, and then learn from the failures and keep moving forward kind of thing. Um, but that's, yeah, that's a, that's the thing is, um, yeah, it's constant. I, I wanted to, wanted to make my mark on it. And, uh, I even said, like I said, I even said that to my old boss, as I said, I, I stood there at the end of one day, um, when I'd made the decision that, you know, I want to, my customers were building up. I was turning people away doing stuff that I was interested in. And I even said to them, Basically, stay behind um, after a day. I was kind of got got to tell him, got to tell him it sucks. I did, you know, enjoy working here so much. And kind of thing, got to tell him. And he was like, uh, you know, so I wasn't kind of, I was like just waiting around to kind of talk to him, waiting to finish the job. And he's like, um, you're right. I was like, yeah. I was like, are you, are you staying on? Or I was like, no, I actually stayed on because I want to talk to you because uh, I, I, I want to leave. Oh, well, I'm. I'm really want to venture out and do my own thing now that I think the time's come. I know we've kind of briefly talked about it before. And uh, I even said to him, like, I appreciate every opportunity you've given me. Um, and, you know, I'm watching you build up your company to where it is now. Um, I want a piece of that for myself. And um, I wouldn't want to be riding on your coattails to basically make a name for myself. I want to do it um, in my own way. And he's like, completely appreciate it, mate. Um, and yeah, you know, it's, it was just, uh, you couldn't think of a better way of quitting a job, I think. <laughs> um, but yeah. That, uh, oh, that's amazing. I, I just had so much respect for him. I couldn't have been one of these guys going, I've got so much work on, mate. I don't need to be dealing with your stuff. I'm off. See you later. Kind of thing. Um, yeah, I kind of, and I, and I probably gave the longest notice I've ever given any place. Cause I said that I kind of left it open-ended and I think I gave like four months notice because <laughs> I, like, I want to finish these projects nice. before I go. <laughs> nice. But yeah. That's amazing. Um, man. So yeah. Make what does the future hit hard custom? Yeah. Oh. What does the future of hit hard customs look like? Where do you want to go with it? So I don't even know. I, I yeah, like I said before, do um, prototype work and, um, get involved in some concepts, uh, even work alongside, you know, some, um, some small production projects would be great. Like, uh, you know, when people recreating these resto mods to be alongside or be a part of those to actually, again, meet more amazing people 
and just be, but at the same time, be left to do my own thing. Um, that's, you know, that'd be the goal there. It's not going to be one of these things of, I want to build the biggest and most expensive car going, or, um, I don't even want to be, you know, I, modern cars that interest me. So when someone says, oh, Lamborghini, no, thanks. I just want to do something interesting. So yeah, concept cars, maybe renderings, um, prototypes and things in that way, but here's working towards it. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, we'll see where we get to. We'll have to have a, if, if it does that, That's we'll amazing. have to splice this in and have another conversation. <laughs> no, absolutely. All right. I got one more for you. If Joe could have from Stempy, if Joe could have one thing in life, what would it be? Can't be hair though. <laughs> uh, I was waiting for something like that to pop up. <laughs> uh, oh, I don't know. Um, I mean, if everyone knows me, like I, <laughs> stuff like that, that's that's because cars wise, you know, I've got I've got my I've got my Dodge Dart. I'm happy with that. Don't want to swap that for anything. Um, but yeah, as far as it, if I could have, was it if I could have one thing? Was it? Could have one thing in life. What would it be? Um, it would. It, it, it wouldn't be anything materialistic. Yeah. Um, you want? I just kind of sounds like you're living your dream at the moment. It's yeah, I think just continue doing your own thing. Yeah, don't get me wrong. I, you know, there's days. There's days yeah. I wonder why you know, I do it. Um, there's days I'm like, there's no reason I should keep going. Um, but yeah, uh, so I'm I'm pretty pretty happy with how things are going now, and um, with also the expectation it can it can move upwards. So uh, yeah, yeah, that's that one's that's a that's a tricky question actually. Um, yeah, for sure. But yeah, hair, hair, yeah, definitely hair. <laughs> hair. Okay, yeah. we'll leave it at that. <laughs> <laughs> well, awesome. And where where can people find your work and connect us? Uh, yeah, so uh, I'm mainly active on Instagram. So Hit Hard Customs. Uh, I've got my website, uh, hithardcustoms.com. Um, but uh, I don't really do shop show rounds or anything like that. I'm just locked away in a barn um, with no one around me, talking to myself all day. Uh, keeps me pretty happy. Um, so yeah, just uh, Facebook, Instagram, uh, or on my website. Awesome, man. Yeah. Well, someone tells me this won't be our last conversation on this podcast. I'd love to have, have you back. And uh, yeah, and we can, uh, I think you have a lot of knowledge that we shared with people that want to learn how to do sheet metal work and I'd love to see a podcast talk about um more your work see it all the yeah. Oh yeah. I mean just keep updates on that. We can uh you know for sure. Yeah, yeah. we'll we'll keep it going. We'll do something in the future. And uh and while I build my car club business and yeah you do your thing, I think there's a lot of a lot of ways that we can connect and uh, share a lot of value with people yeah, car well, yeah, hopefully at some point so, we'll, we'll thank you again. Back. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, thanks, man. And right, uh, everybody, Joe Reddings. Thank you, everyone. Catch you, man. Thank you, everyone. Yeah, good to talk to you, too. Yeah.